Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. Good morning, my name is Casey Daniels. You can find me on Twitter, CaseyDaniels317. Rob Kendall, the other half of this program, well, guess what? He's not here today. You know why? He's out having a baby today, everybody. You can find him at Rob M. Kendall on Twitter. Tony Kinnett is here. Jim Roberts is joining us as well. Tony, did you know that uh, Rob was having a baby today? I did, and I'm all kinds of proud of him. <laughs> you had nothing to do with it, Tony. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. I can still be proud of him. I, I love seeing you know men raise good families, and you know Kendall just happens to be one of them against all odds. Yeah, <laughs> in spite of himself, right? Well, we're, right. we're hoping that everything goes well for them uh, over the next uh, few hours. So let's talk about what's going on in Brownsburg. You know, uh, you and Rob, you broke this story uh, regarding this. Uh, these te- many teachers, in fact, who had that child eat his own vomit, that special needs child. And uh, she's a former teacher now, Sarah Seymour. Her license has been revoked. And I guess she can ask to have it reinstated in three years. Is that something you think she'd do? Would anyone hire her at this point? No, the the one good thing about the way that kind of the public school stigma works is that once you have been fired for something disciplinary, if you are an administrator, it's likely that you'll probably get another job. But if you are a teacher, you are now toxic. No one in the community will touch you. No one in the greater state area will touch you. Uh, you would have to leave and go to a different state and hope that the record and the rumor don't follow you there. Mm. Uh, I'm amazed that it took this long for the department to revoke her licensure. Uh, the police investigation, at least the, enough that the evidence was confirmed, was finished weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why it took them this long, but, you know, the Department of Education, they move uh, slower when it's necessary and uh, even slower when it's unnecessary. But on other things, they move very quickly, like running to the state house in their red shirts. Um, oh, absolutely. So... She was charged with uh, one felony count of neglect of a dependent and one misdemeanor count of failure to report. And this failure to report thing, they made this new law, didn't they? It takes effect, what, July 1st, I believe, where it's this anti-bullying and failing to report. Isn't that going to spread out to other teachers within the school? Well, you can't really grandfather in a legislation. So you, you can't say that, well, there were other teachers that knew about it and they failed to report. So now that this new law is passed, we can go back and get them. And I'd say that it's good that you can't really grandfather situations. And however, I disagree with the charges. Uh, if you force a kid to eat his own vomit, that's not neglect. That's abuse. Mm. Uh, that is a genuine definition of an action that you directly took that caused damages to the child. It was not a lack of actions. It's not like the kid was eating his vomit and she couldn't stop the child. Mm. This was a case in which, uh, according to all accounts and evidences, she was one of the ones in the room doing the ordering to eat the vomit. So, again, I think the charges are a little light here. Obviously, I'm, I'm glad that you know the teacher is charged. I'm glad the license is revoked. I don't know why all of a sudden we're kind of going a little bit soft on the charges. 
uh, when I think that they should be a little bit more severe and more fitting to what the teacher uh, and aide actually did. Have you heard about any of these other teachers that were involved? I mean, there was that other teacher, Julie Taylor. She was the one who provided a tray for the child to vomit on, from which he then had to scoop it up and eat it. What's going on with the other teachers? Well, I've heard about 15 different versions of everything going on and uh, double that in, in terms of what's going on right now. And the only answer that I can give is that they're not done with that group. They have not finished uh, with that entire situation. I will point out in regards to the entire story itself, it's interesting to watch a lot of the progressive media in the state finally start to report on it. Uh, even though, like you said, you know, the, the three of us were talking about the situation in Brownsburg nigh on a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm you know pleased to see people finally giving this some attention. It is an absolute shame uh, that it took this long for Uh, The average state-run media who instantly picks up on rumors and reports from political activist groups finally reporting on, you know, tax-funded education scandals. Hey, Tony, this is Jim. How does this play out going forward? I know know we've got an investigation. I'm sure the Brownsburg School District is going to try and, you know, stall and delay and all those sorts of things. We've got criminal charges. How, How does this play out and how long do you think it takes before we get some sort of resolution for all of this? Well, it depends what you mean by resolution. If you mean by resolution that all of those who are involved are fired or removed, you may ne- you may actually never see that. It kind of depends on who the school likes enough to circle the wagons around. We've seen this before. Uh, back in the day, there were teachers all the way from Shenandoah down to Evansville that uh, you could not fire unless they came in raging drunk to the classroom. And so as far as firing certain teachers in the state, sometimes administrations just kind of refuse to move, especially if there's no linchpin. So if you're talking about that kind of resolution, it's unclear, but I think in this case, it's going to be hard for Brownsburg to shake it. As for resolution is in changing in the district so that, you know, it's actually a school that's worth all of the number one in the state nonsense that it's always bragging about. Well, that depends. Are parents actually finally going to decide that it's time to run and get decent people on the school board? And despite all of the screaming and crying from the left, fire a bunch of the administrators who let this happen. Because, by the way, the the entire idea that the administration had no idea what's going on is a complete nonsensical lie. The administration in every school that I worked at, every single one of them, had a pretty decent knowledge of most things that were going on in the school at any given day. If something happened in my classroom, it was a very good bet that Chad Gray, when I was at Knightstown, who was a great principal, would know about it before I made it to his office to let him know. Yeah. So I'm not buying the whole we had no idea nonsense. And parents should hold them accountable for that. And by hold them accountable, I mean fire them. Yeah. Tony Kennett joins us, and uh, we're gonna, we need to stay on this story and continue to follow it. There's something else I wanted to talk with you about. Indiana Capital Chronicle put out this uh, note that Indiana's public colleges and universities slated to increase tuition and fees up to 4.9% per year. They're actually getting some pushback on this, but nope, they're moving straight ahead with raising tuition. I think this is the funniest thing I've ever heard, because the Indiana University systems uh, are already doing horribly as far as the reputation they have with Hoosiers. 
Uh, fewer students per capita are actually going to these universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, out-of-state universities, if any university at all, uh, are taking more uh, Hoosier students. And honestly, it's the Indiana University, Purdue University, uh, Indiana State, and all of the other various institutions. They have themselves to blame because you know they're launching huge, new, massive millions of dollars worth you know equity, racial, and gender studies programs that aren't worth a dime, mm-hmm. and yet they're not actually putting any money in into things that their students actually want to study. You know, they're hiring massive equity departments so that they can make sure that they have special spaces on students uh, that are uh, anti-free speech spaces and things like that, and trying desperately to fund things like the Kinsey Institute, which, thank God, the Republicans actually defunded. But, you know, you got to pay for all that. And if that means that we have to charge the engineering students, in other words, you say 4.9% intuition, yeah. oh, I'm sure they can handle it. They're com- they come from privileged families anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, state schools, they've seen nearly a 26% increase uh, since 2013, so over the past decade, with the exception of Purdue University. Now, they've freezed their tuition. They capped it at 9000 $992 per year. Yeah, I saw an, uh, a story, a great story about this a couple of years ago from Mitch Daniels was in the middle of his Purdue budget meeting and talking to all of his department heads and how they were going to keep costs down. And there was a student fee that was going to have to be raised by, I don't know, $75 a year or something like that. And they had some good discussion about it. And they looked at the final light item and Mitch Daniels noticed that that increase in that student fee would put the total cost of tuition over the $10,000 mark. And he went back to that department head and said, that's unacceptable. We're not going to do it. Figure out how to get by without increasing that fee. He felt that that $10,000 mark per year in tuition was a barrier he didn't want to cross. And so why ha- why has Mitch been able to do this? And I know he's gone from Purdue now, but for 10 years, Purdue has held the line on tuition increases, yet none of these other schools have done it yet. Why, why, why can't the rest of them just do what Mitch did? Mitch did? Well, because, first of all, Mitch was an outsider going into the system, and Mitch was able to look at a lot of the <clears throat> work that a lot of the uh, department <laughs> staff and universities are <clears throat> doing yeah. and looked and said, you're not actually doing that much. You don't need more money. Uh, no, we don't need that new program. No, we don't need to spend a lot of money on this nonsense. No, we don't need to pay the highest bidder in this one contracting situation. And that's literally all you need to do with these university systems. And by the way, you're seeing a lot of the same thing in a lot of major corporations, right? right now that are kind of undergoing massive overhauls, you know, that equity department, you don't need it. They don't do anything. And I don't just mean politically. I mean, I've walked into equity officers offices in Indianapolis public schools and have seen them playing games on their computer for hours on end, doing nothing, browsing social media. (laughs) There is so much bloat Mm -hmm. that does nothing that the taxpayer dollar is going to or the, the college student's tuition dollar is going to, it's, it's really easy uh, to keep costs down. You just have to not pay the people who aren't doing any work and not waste your money on stupid new adventures like IU does with its uh, racial equity math program that teaches kids that two plus two actually equals five. You don't have to spend money on it. Do you think that DEI is soon going to be a new area of study? When you graduate, you can have a DEI degree? Uh, I mean, there are already uh, kind of social sciences and things like that in which you can kind of get a degree in that kind of a field. Yeah. More so, it's, it's an additive of how you teach the field. So there's curriculum and then there's pedagogy. Curriculum is what's being taught. Pedagogy is how it's being taught. So it doesn't matter what subject it is. You can teach it either classically 
or you can teach it with uh, kind of the modern uh, Herbert Marcusean weird everyone is oppressed paradigm yeah. um, which came out of Brazil by Pablo Ferrer in the in the 60s and 70s so these are the kinds of things that we're seeing in universities what i continually tell parents is there are very very few reasons that your kid should go to college anymore period unless they're going to be a doctor lawyer teacher don't send them to college why why give them $100,000 worth of debt to learn something they could learn elsewhere in an internship or make three times as much as the average college debt-ridden student at a trade school? Well, you're making me feel really, really stupid right now for sending my daughter to college. <laughs> hey, I've wasted I, – I have three degrees that are patently worthless at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm in broadcasting and politics. I have three education degrees. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, huh? Yeah, please don't make the mistakes that I did. <laughs> right. Tony Kinnett, thank you so much. Where can we find you? You can find me over at DailySignal.com for a lot of my writing. And if you're a sadist, you can follow me on Twitter at The Tonus. <laughs> All right. Thank you, dude. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 20 minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall is out today. His baby decided to come and join us all. A little early. A little early. Uh, G was due on 4th of July. Which would have been great. I know. I mean, how great would... I mean... Perfect for them, Storybook right? for them. But you you can't decide that. That's uh, that's the baby's decision. And apparently at 1030 last night, she decided now's the time. So uh, they are uh, they're, they're at the hospital making things happen right now. Any updates? Uh, you know what? He texted me just a little bit ago. I said, uh, how is she feeling? Meaning his wife. And Rob said, so far, so good. Okay. So they're, Great. They're they're working on it, okay? And uh, it, or at least she's working on she's it. Working he, on he's standing there. <laughs> he, he's cheerleading. Hopefully, um, that voice you hear is Jim Roberts, also known as the dude. Good morning, Casey. So yesterday or last night when uh, Rob texted and I said, boy, I better turn my ringer on in case this happens at night and I don't wake up in the morning and have no idea where you are. Um, So last night when he texted and said that her water broke, I just kind of rolled over and nudged you and said, hey, you want to come to work with me today? And I said, sure, let's do it. (laughs) Why why not? So um, Jim has had many years uh, in the broadcasting industry. It's actually where we met. I was on an interview for a Job in Lansing, Michigan, and Jim opened the door. I was working. I was on the air at the time because it was a Saturday, I think. It was Saturday, Saturday or Saturday. Sunday, and it yeah. was it was early in the morning, so nobody was at the radio station except for me. Yeah. And, and the I, doorbell rang, and I was like, "Oh, all right, who's this?" And it was me, and I was there for an interview. And uh, throughout the entire interview, I kept thinking to myself, "I really got to get this job because that guy's really cute." Oh, jeez. <laughs> we can't get all gushy on the air like this. Come on. And we did a morning show together uh, in Lansing for a little while, and it wasn't that great. It wasn't that good. We no, were young. No. We were young. We didn't know what we were doing. They invited us not to come back. <laughs> they said, you know what? We're, we're going to put you with other people yeah, instead yeah. of each other. But yeah. look at us now. But part of um, your uh, what career in the broadcast industry led you to a job where you traveled a lot and you've been in a lot of airports and it has now been revealed we've got the big fourth of july weekend coming up and if you're planning on traveling and you're planning on flying somewhere ooh, good luck there's going to be a lot of people there with you 24 million americans are expected to fly across the country this coming weekend and the 10 worst airports for 
travel disruption have been revealed. So I thought it might be interesting to review these airports. Las Vegas, Houston, Denver, Honolulu. No, mm. sorry, not going there. You mean, you mean they have problems in Honolulu? Everything yeah. isn't just rainbows and flowers? No, San Francisco is another one. Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, also Dallas Love Field, and Baltimore. And are any of these on your worst airport list yeah so baltimore is an absolutely horrendous airport just, why, why just a terrible that? so and you're and you're right so when i left radio and i and I, I took a job selling software and i traveled a lot 40 and, weeks uh, a year one uh, year yeah uh, it was usually 100 nights a year i was gone mm-hmm. um and 95 percent of that travel was flying all over north america so mm-hmm. I've, I've been to every airport many many times multiple times and and, and so you know, travel delays are one thing, but 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 when you're in an airport, what you're looking for is you want some space. Mm-hmm. You know, you want a lot of gate options. You want to not be shoulder to shoulder with the public as you're you know r- you know rushing to your next gate. You want uh, services and amenities, shops and 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 restaurants and and places to buy snacks and that sort of stuff. Um, and just kind of updated and modern. And yet, Baltimore's easily the worst one on that list that you just read, just because it's kind of an old, dumpy, rundown airport. Yeah, well they're saying that you can expect a 22% of having a flight disruption if you fly through Baltimore. And I have to imagine if you're a business traveler and you're flying, you want to have Wi-Fi and a lot of places you can plug in your phone and charge. Now they're making the chairs that have the built-in charging station right there in the chair rather than going to some random wall and leaning against it while you're charging your phone for a while. And that's a big part of modern, you know, remodeled, redesigned airports as well. And Baltimore just isn't that. You're right. Having charging stations yeah. everywhere, you know, the nice, you know, kind of high top seats with the long bench counter with a bunch of outlets over there. Those are in, you know, premium space for you. So yeah, those are the kind of things that are that are great about airports. And um, I, I mean, even if you're delayed, if you've got a good airport, mm-hmm. a good airport can go a long way to making that delay a lot more tolerable. And it's interesting because Las Vegas is at the top of the list. And Las Vegas is a pretty good airport. I mean, it's a big airport. It's got wide concourses. You're not shoulder to shoulder with people. They move people in and out on their trams really, really well. Las Vegas is a decent airport for having delays like that. But for Baltimore to make the list, Baltimore more a dumpy bad airport Mm -hmm. and then to be one of the top 10 airports for worst delays that's just a bad place to get stuck at um so when you travel what was one of your favorite airports you think i've said this i've always said and i can say this as somebody who lived in the metro detroit area for a number of years i think i can get away with saying this detroit is one of my least favorite cities in the country for a number of number of reasons that you could probably imagine but it is the absolute best airport how is that possible i have no idea they put all their resources into an airport that city has done everything everything wrong for decades but when they built that airport they nailed it it's 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 huge they've got tons of gates you've got these wide concourses where you can walk without you know stumbling up and be you know pressed against your fellow traveler they've got tons of restaurants and shops and and places to buy snacks and and it's modern and you've got lots of charging stations and it's it's just a great airport and runs very smoothly uh, sky harbor uh, in phoenix is another indy's got a really rock solid airport for being a medium-sized city mm-hmm. indy has a very good airport that again doesn't see that mass congestion of bodies and 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 uh and, and is a really good airport. And, but, de- but Detroit is is easily my favorite airport. And what country. about Atlanta? Because it seems like no matter where you're going, you always have to fly through Atlanta. Even it, if you're going north or west, you got to go down to Atlanta first to get over. Atlanta used to be pretty good, but I think that that's another one that... It's aging. It's aging, and it's... It, it, it's it, 
doesn't have the capacity to handle all those passengers that it used to. It's a big It's airport. a hub for Delta, isn't it's it? A, it's a hub for a lot of different ones. Yeah. But yeah, it's a hub for Delta. So I used to fly through through Atlanta all the time. It's just, it, it's got narrow concourses. You're always shoulder to shoulder with other people. They don't have the charging stations. They don't have the restaurants and, and, and shops and um, and and. Atlanta's Atlanta's a bit of a problem. The second busiest airport in the world is O'Hare. Now O'Hare is bad. Um, O'Hare is is you know up there with Philadelphia and, and LaGuardia and Baltimore as, as some of the worst airports. And again, just because it's aging, it's small, it's just not built to handle that many planes and that many people. Do you? Did you? We have to get you a break. But did you enjoy flying? I know now. I I don't. Don't like it at all. Well, since the pandemic, flying is 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 it's much worse than it used to be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but it didn't. Uh, it, it was it was something to be endured. I got through it. <laughs> so it's a necessary. It was evil. a necessary evil, yeah. but it wasn't horrible. It is much much worse now, and I avoid flying at all. Costs. Unless I'm going farther west than Denver. I'll just drive there. I feel like by the time you get to the airport and you go through the security and you do all the stuff and you do the flight and you're, you know, all the nonsense that comes with that, it's just as easy to get in your car well, and, and especially, just drive there. Especially with a city like Indianapolis where we're not a hub for a major airline. Mm-hmm. You, you are connect. doing a lot of connections. Yeah. So by the time you connect, you're looking at an eight, 10 hour travel right. day anyway. And you could just and you could just as easily drive and, and be in save your the own headache. own vehicle and get your own snacks and you'll be away from all those other people. It is it's 1028. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I don't like It is 1033. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. This is typically the portion of the program where we turn it over to you with your voicemails. I have a confession to make. I couldn't get into them. I know somewhere I have an email with the instructions of how to receive, how to retrieve the voicemails, but it's so old. I, I couldn't find it. It's Rob's job. It is responsible for voicemails. So when Rob's not here, I'm sorry, but there's no voicemail. I'll, I'll find the, I'll find the email later and we'll, we'll try and get them for tomorrow and I would really love to just load up all the voicemails with uh, congratulatory messages to Rob and his wife. Uh, The reason that Rob Kendall is missing today from the broadcast is because him and his wife are at the hospital and they're uh, any moment now welcoming the latest addition to their family. How about advice? If you're a parent and you've got advice for Rob and his family, leave a voicemail with some fatherly or motherly advice on on what the Kendalls can be expecting with their firstborn. <laughs> they have no idea. No idea. No <laughs> no idea at all. If you you think you do, you, some people think they do when they're going into having their first child. Uh-huh. But they're like, oh, we got the. You know, you don't. No, you have you no really idea. Don't. You have no 317-684-844. idea. 317-684-844. That is the phone number. 317-684-844 is the number if you'd like to uh, give Rob some parental advice. I'm sure you've got some up your sleeve. The voice that you're hearing that is Jim Roberts, also uh, known as The Dude. Thank you for coming in this morning. I nudged him last night and said, hey, you want to come into work with me? And he said yes. So uh, thanks for for hanging with me today. It's been fun. I appreciate that. It is 1034. Let's talk about RFK Jr. So apparently the GOP viewing him as a 
strategic threat against Joe Biden. And even Donald Trump is cheering him on. Uh, Donald Trump said, just hang in there. Uh, He's been really nice to uh, JFK Jr. or RFK Jr. has been very nice to Donald Trump. And he says he's he's a nice guy. And of course, Donald Trump is going to cheer this guy on because any uh, vote for RFK Jr. is a vote taken away from Joe Biden. Sure, it makes Joe Biden look weak. So of course, the Republicans and Donald Trump are going to come out and say how great RFK Jr. is, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they completely disagree with him on almost every single position in government, um, and despite the fact that he's this huge anti-vaxxer, and I'm just not talking about the COVID vaccines, but provenly effective vaccines for, you know, childhood that have been proven for decades and decades, I... I, I, I just don't know why the, the Democrats can't find somebody normal to compete against Joe Biden. It seems like every time that there's a strong competitor and you can sit here and say, oh, yeah, there's some things about RFK that are appealing and that sort of stuff. But then he goes off the deep end mm-hmm. and you're like, there's no way this guy can run the country. I'm, I'm really curious as to why he's not running as an independent. I think that he could go very far with that because there are a lot of independents that both sides want to get that vote. And I think that he could make a dent. I mean, he really is already making a dent, pulling at 20 percent. He claims that he has been doing his campaign on a shoestring budget of $4 million. And, well, here he is. He's got a really nice message. At the end, you have to get through the whole thing. And at the end, of course, he's just asking for more money. Uh, But that's kind of what they're all doing right now. Hey, everybody, people watching this campaign are thinking that we probably have $100 million in the bank. Because I've now got 20% in the polls in the Democratic primaries against President Biden, and I have the strongest favorability ratings of either President Biden or President Trump in a general election. So when we have to make our filing on July 1st with the Federal Election Commission, people are going to be surprised that we have raised less than $4 million. I've spent practically every moment since this campaign started, not on fundraising, but on getting my message out to the people. And I have to say that in the process of that, I've alienated probably every big money donor in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. So I'm not going to be getting any money from those guys. <laughs> I need some money from you. We're not spending your money on expensive consultants or glossy TV commercials. Uh, we're doing this on a, on a busman's budget. But with that, we have a 50-state organization we're blowing up social media. We're, uh, we're really performing very well on the podcast, and we've made that $4 million perform like $400 million. I hope that you also have an assurance that when I get to the White House, I'm going to spend your money wisely as well. I want to ask you if you... Okay, now he asked for money. But I think that, that, that's <laughs> we the interesting... Well, that's the interesting part he said there at the end, uh... I, I've been spending my money wisely, and I hope you see when I get to Washington, I'll spend your money wisely. Well, Odd thing for a Democrat to say. Oh, that's a selling point. But you're he, right. It's he should be hammering away at that. But you're right about him you know, potentially running as an independent. If he's not getting money from big, de- you know, big mm-hmm. Democrat donors or big Republican donors, um, there may be a benefit to running a Democrat. Although, can you imagine the shockwaves that would create the Democratic Party if a Kennedy mm-hmm. ran for president as an independent? Well, he's the been- optics on that are just... just terrible for the Democratic Party. He's been dismissed by them, pretty much. I mean, they view him as too conspiratorial and, you know, like you had mentioned with the vaccines and a lot of other issues. But I think the more chatter you have about Kennedy, the worse it is for Biden. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a, 
you know, is he gonna is he gonna beat Biden Biden in the in the primaries? No, but is he gonna be a serious challenger and do some bi- damage to Biden that could carry over to the general? Absolutely, that's a possibility. I think he definitely makes people question some things more. I mean, you're already questioning things about Biden. You have, yeah, but his base, it, 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 you know, independents and Republicans certainly questioning things about Biden. But if RFK Jr. can get the base Democrats then mm-hmm. to start questioning things about Biden, that's that's where you might see some damage being done that would carry over into the general election. Let's uh, let's hear from Donald Trump. He put this out yesterday, and this is the sort of thing that I think really gets the Trumpers, the base, really wound up. Every time the radical left Democrats, Marxists, communists, and fascists indict me, I consider it a badge, a great, great, beautiful badge of honor and courage. Because I'm being indicted for you. This is the thing. I've been thinking about this a lot because we talk about Donald Trump a lot on the air. And, you know, people, why are you so mean to Donald Trump? And Rob rails against him and people get very upset about this. And so here's the thing. This is is kind of what I've come up with. Donald Trump is like the Robin Hood of ideas. So many Trump supporters, they think he's lied. They think he's a cheat. He says terrible things about other people. But he makes it seem like he's doing it for you. So he's a billionaire. He's lived a life that you, me, Kevin, we're never going to know. We're never going to understand what that's like. But he continues to make you feel like he's fighting for you. He's going to defeat the elite. He's going to take power from them and give it to you, the non-elite. But he's an elitist himself. But he makes you think that he's not, and he's going to give you some of his elitism, some of his power. And you can argue whether he does that or not. You know, you picking up what he's throwing down. Are you are you buying what he's selling? But you have to ask yourself, what do you owe Donald Trump? Are you giving your allegiance away of free will? Well, of course you are. This isn't a forced obligation, and there is no guarantee of anything in return from him except the idea that he will balance the scale. That is what he's selling to you. And that's why he's still in the game. Right. That's why he's still leading the Republican Party in the polling for for the primaries that are coming up because he's been able to speak to common everyday people. Even though he's not. Even though he's not. Even though he's lied to you. Even though he, you know, is you know crazy and and tweets in all caps in the middle of the night and all these sorts of crazy things he speaks to common people that he is like them and that he is fighting for them and that he is a little bit of a robin hood that he's going to steal some of this elitism from the elites and give it to you yeah it's 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 a balance of the scale and of course there's always the the, the middle finger that comes along with it a vote for Donald Trump. Which is so appealing to such a huge swath of the country. I mean, I understand why Donald Trump is so popular. It's, you know, and I may disagree with an incredible amount that he does, but I understand why he's so popular and he's an amazing communicator and has done an incredible job with creating a deep connection with huge amounts of people in this country. It is 1042. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. That is Jim Roberts. One more thing before we get into break. Uh, Tucker dropped another episode on Twitter last night. It's a little bit of an irony alert. He's talking about the war for democracy enables dictatorship. 
It's a bipartisan view. Democracy must prevail. You just heard noted democracy expert Nancy Pelosi say, the daughter of the mobbed-up mayor of Baltimore. As Pelosi puts it, the Ukrainian people are fighting the fight for their democracy and for ours as well. That's right, for ours as well. Without Ukrainian democracy, in other words, we can have no democracy here. If the Ukrainians aren't free, neither are we. We must make sure they can vote in Kiev so we can continue to vote in Kansas City. It's really that simple. And yet tonight, we regret to tell you that we have a problem. It looks like they're not going to be able to vote in Kiev anymore. And no, for once, it's not Putin's fault. Democracy in Ukraine seems to be suspended by the world's foremost democracy advocate himself, Field Marshal Zelensky. Field Marshal, I like the way he calls him that. So uh, Zelensky has come out and he said that they're not going to have 24 elections. And this is all part of the Ukrainian constitution because they don't have elections in the country while there is martial law in place. And of course, martial law is in place right now as they're in having war with Russia. But he's the guy who can remove the martial law. This narrative has been way off base since all of this started. This idea that, that, that Ukraine is this bastion of freedom and democracy is completely false. It has been a corrupt government for decades. It's still a corrupt government. They suspend elections, uh, just like Zelensky is, is doing right now. Uh, so, you know, this idea that the, the Democrats are pitching this as this bastion for freedom and, a, and a, you know, a a fight for freedom everywhere is just mm-hmm. is just not true. So how does the United States respond to anti-democratic? <laughs> Let me guess. Act? Yeah. Give them more money. More money. $500 million. Hammer joins us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning. It is 1048. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio from the number one rated Hammer and Nigel show. And of course, Rob's not here today. We're on shorty watch. Yeah. Mrs. K getting ready to drop a shorty at any given time here. <laughs> yeah. Let's make this thing happen. I'm excited for him. Yeah, me too. They have no idea what's in store for them. None. Rob is in for such a cultural shock because one... He's the cheapest man alive. And kids are expensive. (laughs) Hot damn, kids are expensive, right? I I tweeted out yesterday, um, I don't know if you've seen that meme going around. It's the Nick Cage meme. What's that movie that that was from? The uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent or whatever that Nick Cage movie was. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah, there's like, uh, there's uh, the shot of Nick Cage. And I said, this is Rob calculating how much children cost. And then the other shot of the other guy, me being an empty nester. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. He has no idea. And the thing is, like, he's in for such a change in the way he views the world, too. Mm -hmm. Because previously, he could be Mr. Tough Guy. I'm not going to get the vaccine shot to keep my job. If they want to fire me, fire me. Mm -hmm. While I didn't want to get the vaccine, you know, let's be honest. I make pretty good money here. Mm -hmm. So I provide for my family. I kind of had to get the stupid thing to keep my job and take care of my family. That's what a lot of people had to do. They and didn't Rob, want to do it, but Rob they did could it. never understand that because he doesn't have a family to take care of. Right. Well, now he does. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how he views the world a little bit moving forward. And especially for somebody that is so certain in his current worldview to have that potentially shattered or, or, or altered 
massage. Oh, it's going to be. Changed. Oh, man, it's going to be great. <laughs> the first time. <laughs> as all of us in parents, all of us as parents sit here and giggle at what he's got uh, ahead of him. As you know, weird as he is, the first time he has to play the poop or chocolate game, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, no. Every parent knows the poop or chocolate game. Mm-hmm. You see a random stain on the couch. <laughs> well, that's one of two things. <laughs> no. Did you ever have to cut a onesie off of your child because you just, it was just everywhere? It was an explosion? <laughs> no, just but, to, oh, yes. no. I had two boys, right? Yeah. So, I had the privilege of always having to dodge pee coming oh, at me. Oh, yeah. Like, you put him on the changing table, and, you know, mm-hmm. you take the little diaper off. When that cold air hits right, the weenus, right. boom, here comes the pee. <laughs> it's come flying at you like a scud missile, baby. you got to duck and dodge and do all the things. Oh, boy. And Rob's such a tough guy, so it'll be interesting. You said you have two boys. We have a daughter. And that daddy-daughter relationship is different. And yeah. man, that daughter can melt your the heart of the toughest guys out there. So it'll be interesting to see how much tough guy Rob <laughs> gives in to sweet little daughter. Did your daughter ever go through like a rebellious phase? Uh, little one. Yeah, a little, one. A, bit, a little bit. Yeah, I feel like daughters do that more so than boys do. And I'm curious to see what uh, the Kendall daughter's rebellious phase looks mm-hmm. like. Like when she's 16, is she going to run out and date an Antifa guy? Or oh. is she going to join BLM or just to stick it over to the old man. Right, well, there's, there's the girl who, who dates the guy in the band with the long hair and just to upset mom and dad. In this case, uh, baby Kendall will date a Democrat. She's going to be dating Bernie Sanders' grandkid. <laughs> oh, no. That's no good. Governor Holcomb's grandson will be dating Kendall's daughter. <laughs> She'll be volunteering for Democrat Party elections. Do you remember, um, like, it, it's, been, it's been a few years any big stories from when your boys were born so i gotta hand my wife this one tip my hat to her because she's pretty crafty so the first our firstborn chris when we went to the hospital you know she got the epidural Mm -hmm. right well she thought you know what i'm still in a little bit of pain so i'm gonna act like it didn't take so she created such a ruckus she was complaining and yelling and throwing a fit as only she can mm-hmm. and i think just to shut her up they gave her a second one she was feeling no pain no at pain. that point yeah she was sitting there legs were open shorts dropping out she's watching the young and the restless on tv i got one hand on a leg and one hand on my kid coming out like it was rapid fire baby i i uh when we when we left for the hospital we had a flat tire Oh, Do no. you remember that? Oh, of course, yeah, because it was in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., mm-hmm. and we go out, and oh, the no. car, the car we, we had two cars, but the car we were planning on taking and had packed and ready to go, walk out in the garage, and the tire's flat, flat and tire. so uh, oh, we no. had to go to the other one. And but, but that's the thing when you have kids, right? you got to change plans. you got to be spontaneous, be able to just go with it sometimes. Be happy you had a plan B there, like a second car. Like, what would have happened had that been your only ride? And this was pre-Uber. And pre-lift. Pre- and pre-motorcycle, so that wasn't going to So, happen. yeah. Well, that's a classy <laughs> move. Water broke on the back of a hog, pulling up to the hospital. That's a classy move. <laughs> Almost makes me want to have another kid just so we can do that again. No. Come on. It'd be worth Shut it. your mouth. Worth it for the story. <laughs> Who invited you here today? You did. Oh, no. You guys have sounded good today, though. I was listening 
listening, driving in, as I always do. And yeah. uh, you guys sound like you're having fun today. Thank you. Which is a big break from normally one person being incredibly unlikable and you, Casey. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I know, you know, I joke. I, as much as, you know, Rob and I give each other crap, he is mm-hmm. one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And I hope and pray everything works out for the best for him. Yeah, I really absolutely. Do. I haven't uh, received any updates from him. I've been letting our, our listeners know as the morning goes on. The last one was a while ago, and he just said, so far, so good. He should put a GoPro on, like, a hat, oh. so that way we can live stream it and, you put know. Put it up on YouTube. Right. No. <laughs> poor wife. So she la- didn't sign up for this. So last night, Rob sends Casey a text. She texts him back. Five minutes later, she's like, he's not texting me back. Like, his wife is having a baby. He's not going to be getting back to you immediately. Well, well he's he normally should. a pretty quick texter, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. the one thing he's that on is difficult with Nigel, because you'll send Nigel a text, and then you won't get anything back for three hours. So you don't know if he's either being yelled at by his wife, if he's passed out drunk, <laughs> or if he's just not paying attention. It's one of those three things. Right. Hey, did you uh, hear that thing from David... Uh, Portnoy about the pizza. I'm totally changing subjects here, but I wanted to get to this with you. Uh, Speaking of things popping out of an oven, right. see what I did there? Hey! Segway! Uh, okay, so he's the barstool <laughs> so <dumb>. sports guy. <laughs> and he completely shreds pink-haired liberals because they created this regulation, uh, the coal oven pizzas in New York. Let's, let's listen to what he had to say and then we'll discuss. Apparently, in New York City, some little liberal arts, Ivy League, pink-haired, crazy liberal who's never worked one day in the real world is on an environmental commission. And they woke up from their little nappy poo, wherever that may be. They're like, I figured out how to save the world today. We have to get rid of coal oven pizzerias in New York City. We gotta stop that. The, the emissions, I guess, is pollution. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the blah, blah, blah is the best part there at the end. Okay, so environmental regulations on coal fired ovens. That's what we've come to. That's so, what we're worried about. This is the one thing that I think can bring Republicans. And Democrats together, their love of pizza, mm-hmm. right? Because these coal ovens in New York, these brick ovens, that's part of who they are. That's part of their fabric, these iconic pizzerias. And it doesn't matter if you're a Bernie Sanders fan or a Ron DeSantis fan, you can get together and have one of those awesome pies and you can realize these are pretty good. And let's be honest. If their argument is these stoves are a reason why people can't breathe in New York, because that's one of the things that I've heard them say, mm-hmm. can we talk about people being shot? Right. Because it feels like that's another reason why people can't <laughs> breathe in New York. Right. They're being stabbed on the subway. They're being shot in the streets. How about you focus on that and a little less on the pizza? A little bit more on the crime, a little bit less on the one bite at a time. Okay, what do you have coming up this afternoon? Uh, well, Tony Kennett will join us nice. for our usual Wednesday hit. We've got you coming by if you're mm-hmm. able to. Yeah. And the biggest stories of the day. All right. Thank you so much. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.